Salbona. Does anyone know that phrase? Salbona. If you know that word, uh, phrasing, that's, that comes from South Africa, a tribe called Zulu, in, in the language of Zulu, they use this word Salbona, which means I see you. So it's a greeting from that uh, nation and that tribe. So when I say Salbona, when I, basically I'm saying I see you, but do you all, also what comes with that meaning is do you see me? So you respond by saying, yay, Bo, meaning yes, Salbona, I, we see you. So Salbona, yay, Bo, Salbona. Say that again, Salbona. I see you, God sees you, and you are welcome here. And sometimes when we meet somebody, whether on the street, here in this space, wherever you go, we see something. When you look at each other at first, what do you see? Do you see the heart behind who you are or the other person? Or do you just see what looks like what they represent? Right? We make judgments a lot of times, don't we? But God sees you for who you are, and God is in love with you. You are truly welcome here as children of God. He is so pleased that you are here. So I want you to feel at ease today as you hear the message of God here. You are welcome. Put away all the concerns you might have. You don't, need to be, you don't need to pretend to be somebody to be here in this place. God welcomes you as sons and daughters of God. But we see this pattern of people kind of looking at each other with this surface-level eye sight, right? So today's passage comes from Mark 12. And we see immediately Pharisees, teachers of the law, sees Jesus not for who he is, that he is son of God, that he has done something amazing. Instead of seeing the heart that he has for the lost sinners, drunkards, outcasts, people have been seeing him loving on people like that. And people are drawn to Jesus because they can see Oh, this guy is different. He really loves us. He really loves those who are outcast. So they begin to see him for who he really is. But Pharisees and teachers of the law, as they come, they're seeing something different in Christ. He's a threat. He's a threat to their power, to their position, to their authority, so they're choosing to see really not really who he is, but who he is, what he is to me, to them. And I wonder how many of us do that. And with that, they ask, because they're, they're seeing him as a threat, so they give this question, what is the greatest commandment? They want to know. They want to see whether this guy really knows the scripture. Because Pharisees and Sadducees and all the teachers of the law, 
what they know the best is the law, right? Mosaic law, the Old Testament, Torah, they know that. That's their expertise. So now they're used, bringing their weapons, their best thing that they have, to really test, test and see whether Christ really knows his stuff. After all, he's from Galilee, Naz, Nazarene, right? Like no place, not, not very significant to produce prophets or teachers or rabbis or whatsoever. So they want to test him. And the reality is that Pharisees know the law. And I want, to, I want us to be a little bit honest here. Do you not know the law too? I look at you right now. I see you. I see the heart that loves the Lord. But on, on the other hand, I see that you rely on your knowledge a lot. Not just you, but I say this because we all do that, right? We depend on our how much we know to as if, as if God has to really, can only love me if I know a lot, if I'm good enough, if I am somebody. So we rely on the knowledge so much. And I believe that a lot of you guys grew up in church and in faith, so you probably know this passage, and you have heard it many times. And I wanted to tackle this passage again because I, wanna, I want you to not just know about it, but really begin to feel it inside you. So when you hear, when Pharisees asked uh, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he answers this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with your, all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. The, there is no commandment greater than these. I want to pause for a moment. I'm going to read that passage one more time, that answer that Jesus has given I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to begin to do some body scanning. Why am I asking you to do that? Sometimes we, when we hear it, when we hear something, our body knows how to respond to it better than our mind or our heart sometimes. So like when we are traumatized by somebody, when we see that person, our body reacts immediately. Before my mind can think and make connections, Perhaps when I see somebody who has hurt me before, my body might freeze, and I want to maybe step back, or I just want to turn and kind of go. Before I can think or, or figure things out, what's really happening inside me, my body already knows. And knowing that this might be the passage, whether you're believers or not, we have heard this passage a lot. Love God, basically, and love others. We have heard this passage so many times and I wonder, because you know it, just like Pharisees do, I want to know how this lands with you today as you listen to it one more time. So close your eyes, please. And begin to get into a comfortable position. Bring your awareness 
to your head, to your fingers, to your body, and hear now the word of the Lord. Oh, hear, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you notice anything in your body? Hear the word of the Lord again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your, all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you notice anything in your body? Your emotion? Your feeling? If you're noticing anything, how would you describe that reaction or response to those commands? Come back. Open your eyes and come back. Thank you for trying that with me. Now, I just have a question. And um, this is not really made for conversation, so I know that I'm up here, you guys down there, and you guys are all facing me. So I love interacting, and I'm not going to force it because the stage and this environment is not really made for that. But I would love to still interact with you a little bit. And so I want to ask you, when you were reflecting how that those two commandments landing on your body, on, on your soul, how many, of, how many of you felt that felt more like negative to you? Okay. How many of you felt like that those commandments were positive to you? Okay. Again, how, how did any of you feel like that was negative in any way? Some of you. And positive? Okay. When I began to walk around, uh, uh, journey around this world, and began to ask people about this, I have noticed that people start to feel guilty when they hear this. I'm not sure if that's you, but there are a lot of us that feel immediately feeling guilty about these commandments that we hear. Because we know it. We have heard it so many times. And immediately when they hear this, because it's a reminder, and you begin to check upon your life. Have I been doing it? Have, have I been loving God? Have I been um, loving my neighbors? And the feeling that, I, that they have expressed is that they feel um, trapped, guilty, discouraged. It just feels awful. Even though it meant for it to be good, but it doesn't land so positively in our soul. 
Now, now that I have mentioned some of those things, any of you have now realized, like, yeah, it does. I do identify with that feeling. Any, any of you? Good. You guys are very healthy. The mistake that we make a lot, again, we think that knowledge is the key. And even this format of learning about God and preaching and, and sharing, and you guys are very quiet. It makes me nervous, by the way. <laughs> Good, thank you. I, I want to hear some laughter and just like, yeah, I come from a place where like, you know, we have no chairs like this. We have round tables. I just actually, I'm on the floor uh, walking around and we just like interact and have discussions a lot. So this is, I need like interaction. So feel, feel free to like say something if you want to. If you felt uh, led, to, led to shout out something. But <clears throat> mistakes that we make a lot is we make everything into a knowledge. And then we get disconnected with the heart. Right? Commandments, we hear it as like, yeah, God is telling us to love God and love others. And it's information. But how much of that information actually led you to live out that, those commandments? Right? Even me asking this question probably make you feel a little guilty. Like, oh, I really didn't live that out really that well. And no wonder Jesus often calls Pharisees and teachers of the law who know what the Bible says, what God has said, hypocrites. And how many of us have been called that in our journey of this faith? How many of our churches have been called that? That we've been called hypocrites? They see hypocrisy in our churches? It's toxic sometimes? And why, why, why isn't that when they see us, they don't see the love of God? But more and more, this is the reality in our t- today's society, they look at us and they see nothing but hypocrisy toxicity, unhealthy, right? And it's not church, it's not me here. It's not Pastor Bill. We make the church, not just Cornerstone, all of us who follow, who say Christ is Jesus and who follow God, we all make up this one giant church. And they look at us and they're torn. They hate what they see. Well, obviously, like, we, that's our problem, right? We see only the surface level. If they really got to know us, maybe they will be a lot more forgiving, more loving, because deep in our heart, we are people of love. We love people, but reality is that on a surface level, it doesn't show. Our actions don't show. We have so much knowledge about God and the Bible, but somehow it doesn't come out. What is going on? Why is there... Disconnect. Henry Noun once said, the farthest distance in this world is sometimes going from the head to the heart. It's so close. It's just right here. But for God's word to travel from up here to down here takes almost, it feels like eternity. Or sometimes, for some people, it never gets there. Why is that? 
Some of us value knowledge so much that your faith, my faith, my faith has been that way. In my faith journey, I wanted to know the Bible. And we emphasize the importance of reading the Bible. I get that. But it's all up here. It's information. It's not the true living word of God. So when Jesus summarizes the whole entire, because there's so many commandments in the Old Testament, right? And he summarizes uh, all of that into two. And let's kind of look at where he's drawing those summary from. Okay, so love God. Where is that coming from? It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 to 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments, so let me continue though. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. My mom used to have signs of these kind of spiritual, uh, uh, scripture verses all over the house. And I think she was following this command, right? Be reminded of these things, that God loves you. And we love God because he loved us first. And we train ourselves. It's not, again, it's... it's uh, <laughs> How we get to the heart is sometimes we just need a lot of reminders, right? It's, it's not just about knowing. Because once you know it, you know it. When you know it, you know it. But how you get, to get it to the heart is sometimes you just have to kind of continue to repeat it, continue to be reminded. And then hopefully as you go through that, those practices, it'll travel down to your heart, right? And then second, love your neighbor uh, as yourself. This comes from Leviticus chapter 19. And there's a lot of do nots. And I think we think about um, Christianity or uh, outsiders who look at our faith, they look at our faith as like Bible as like do not, do not, do not. There are so many rules. And they're not wrong <laughs> because here is one simple example. Uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 19, 11 through 18, it says do not steal, do not lie, do not de deceive one another. Do not swear falsely. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So now we know where Jesus is pulling this from. 
And oftentimes we could easily think that, wow, God has so many rules for us, so many do nots. And we get the, we see God in an incorrect way. If that's all we see, I think we can easily mistake God for who he isn't. So our kid, Amy Jo, who is uh, right now eight years old, and um, for a while she thought that Diana and I were the strictest parents in her, in her, among, among her friends or family groups, right? She thought that we were so strict. And then I was thinking, wow, like, if you ask our friends, <laughs> we're not strict at all. We're very lenient, very reasonable and flexible. And then, but according to our daughter, she thought that we are so strict. And then when we asked, uh, why do you say we're, you think we are so strict? And then, and then she would say, like, because you, you have so many, you say no so many times, <laughs> right? But we say no or yes or we have restrictions because we obviously love our kids so much that sometimes I w- I, we try not to use the word no so much, but we do have to set some boundaries. But within that very flexible boundaries, wide boundaries, we do have very, a lot of flexibilities within that. And then as she's growing older, I think this is more like when she was six, but now she, she has gotten to know her friends better. And then they are, and she has a lot, a lot more uh, playtime with her uh, friends, and, and they, she goes to her friend's house and, and in and out of other places. So now she's beginning to see how other parents behave. And then she comes home and she's like, yeah, you guys are not that strict. <laughs> because her friend's parents are way more stricter than we are. But she's beginning to see that behind that, she's beginning to see that we, we do these things because we love her to death. I don't know how many of you guys are married couples here uh, or married and have children. But if you're, even if you're not there yet... I'm sure you can easily kind of picture when you become a mom or dad or um, parental f- figure, you know, when you love someone as precious as young one like that, you want to put some protection and boundaries around it. We want to say yes a lot, but when they're that young, they don't know what they're doing, so we end up saying no a lot of times. And I'm sure you can, you know what that feels like because you, you, you have your own par- family that you grew up with, and I'm sure they, they put a lot of restrictions on, on you as you're growing up. But, be, so, but if we only think about those no's and don'ts, then, yeah, it's just rules. It's just rules. It's not a real, real relationship. But if you go behind that, why is my mom or my dad saying no to me and putting that restric- restriction on me, if Emmy Joe was able to go beyond that and think about why is Diana and myself putting that restriction on her, she can begin to realize that because we love her, we care about her a lot. There's one night that I had this conversation because she was asking seriously, Dad, why do you, why you have so many restrictions? Do you not love me? <laughs> she used to say recently, do you not love me anymore? And then, and then I said, Emmy Joe, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care whether you do this or that. I would have, I would have no rules for you. Then that's how, that's how you know that I don't love you. 
But the fact that I, I care enough that I need to put these, some of these boundaries for you, and that's, that's how you know that, that, you, that you can know that I love you. And she began to really understand that. So when we think about the greater commandment, commandment, I think the problem, when we just think of that, if that's landing with you on your body, on your soul, as something you need to do, then you're missing it. You're totally missing it, just like Pharisees, Sadducees, all the teachers of the law. And because we rely on our head too much, we know the information. But has it, have you felt, you see, if that law doesn't connect with the love of God, that you do not experience this love that God has for you, law is something that you need to do, you need to follow. And that brings pressure disappointment when you not live up to that and then you do not forgive yourself you're harsh on yourself and then that kind of disappointment and restrictions makes you fall away from God too step away from God because now you're ashamed you're embarrassed to come to the Lord see all of this can be prevented if we know how to tap into the heart when we know that, first of all, God loves you, and then your natural response is that, yes, therefore, I love him. And I love him, and I love his law, because he's putting that around me because he cares about me. And when we understand that, first of all, that he loves me and I love him, and because of that, you, we have these boundaries, these are the things that you want to do. You have to go in, in, uh, deeper into yourself to understand that you are beloved children of God first, for you to really understand how, uh, uh, know how to engage these kind of laws that God has placed on our heart. So take a look at how Pharisee responded when Jesus said this. Verse 32. So Pharisee responds to Jesus. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So he's taking this moment to like also share how much he knows as well. Like he's adding more. <laughs> I wonder how many of us, of us do that. We add more to our answers to demonstrate that, yes, I am smart. I know what I'm asking, and I know what I'm talking about, so we add more information to our answers. And that's exactly what's happening over here. So he's like uh, saying things like burnt offerings and sacrifices. These, these are more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Why? Because, you know, First Samuel talks about o obedience. It's, obey is better than sacrifice. Hosea says, mercy, not sacrifice. Micah reminds us to uh, uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, and these are way better than sacrifices or burnt offerings. And Hebrews reminds us that doing God's will is better than burnt offering and sacrifices.
he knows it. He knows the law. He can recite it. I'm sure many of us can do the same. But again, why is it that they are often called hypocrites, even by Christ? And he continues to say, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, because he knows it, he said to him, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. It's not far, meaning he's not quite there yet. But you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I believe what's missing for this Pharisee is that the heart connection was missing. Why, does, why do we have this issue of hypocrisy in our culture, in our faith community? Why does that happen? Why doesn't knowing lead to obedience, justice, mercy, humility, doing the will of God? The cure for hypocrisy in the end, is our soul being transformed. Meaning you can't, you know, we get to a point where we do not need to fake it anymore. Just because, you know, our soul has gone through that tr true transformation that I love God dearly. It's not something I have to love because God told me to love him. But it's just, I just... My soul has gone through that transformation that no one needs to convince me. No Bible teachers need to teach me. But I just love him. When you get to that place of your soul truly in love with God and you recognize that you're precious, beloved son or daughter of God, then things of God will flow out of you. The fruit of, fruit of the Spirit is that you cannot fake those characteristics of Holy Spirit if He is not really in you. There's a lot of internal thing that has to happen and for our soul to tr be transformed. You can go so only so far to pretend to be somebody that you're not. So how do we get to that level of loving God with all of my soul. It's not just about the all, of, all with your knowledge, your mind. I think a lot of us are good at that. And I want to challenge you, challenge you to think about how good am I with letting God touch me, my heart. And that sometimes is when you are reading the scripture, it's not your fault because we have taught you to do it this way. We taught you to just study the Bible. But Bible is meant to be heard. It's written in a scroll. And not everyone knew how to read. Or even the scroll, the scripture was that readily available for people. So the practices in the ancient time is that they would bring their heart to hear what the rabbi is reading when he opens the scroll, scripture, and reads to us, we receive it. We're not there to open the book and study what does the, the Greek word say, Hebrew word say, and what, the, what is the context, what is the history. Those are all good. 
But do you allow yourself to be influenced by the Word of God? I know a lot of us have, we follow influencers, don't we? How many of you guys, be honest, do not have TikTok, you don't have social media, and you don't follow anyone? Raise your hand. All right, there's some of you, very few of you, meaning rest of you are following somebody. And the reality of that is that you are letting those influencers influence you. Isn't that right? You're willing to follow someone. Literally, you're following somebody. We do that all the time. So more than any other generations, I think this generation knows what it means to follow someone. And following someone means that I want to be influenced by this figure, this person, this group, this idea, this belief, this value system. And how many of us are willing to let God influence us? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all these things are there when we follow someone, it reminds us constantly. Every time we look at our, uh, our smartphone, we're reminded of their things that they're passionate about. We need those reminders. In the end, how do we get to the heart? It's through a lot of practices. You can't just study it. We do need to practice it. You have to accept it as a practice. So you have to remind, you, you have to be reminded. You need constant reminders. That's why the scripture says, put it on your doorframe. Make something where, where you can wear the brace or necklace or whatever to be reminded that God loves you. This is not just new thing. God has remind, told us from uh, Deuteronomy, from early days, that we need reminders. So that when we are reminded, we will practice it. And more you practice it, you become actually good at what you're trying to do. And then it becomes a place, you come to a place where your soul no longer needs to practice it anymore. Because you practice so much that it becomes who you are. And when, you, when your soul tr- is transformed like that, love, kindness, gentleness, patience, these will just flow out of you naturally. And that's what we need to see happen in order for us, us to be not called hypocrites anymore. Not that that should be the motivator. But we do have a problem. And it tells us where our heart is at. I want you to take this moment to really think and reflect about your heart. Is God somebody that you are following because you are told to do so? Are you loving neighbors and reading the scripture because you always grew up hearing that a preacher, your parents, your friends, your authority figure always saying, do your QT, quiet times, read your scripture, and you are doing it out of obligation? Is that real relationship? We have an open table. 
Jesus knowing that this is what we need to get to our heart. He has given this practice of communion. And when we come, I don't want you to just come. Or I don't want you to, you know, eat your bread and drink your wine just out of habit. Here is another reminder. And it's a practice that we are doing together as a body. Isn't that wonderful? It's not that we're asking you to do it alone. We're doing it together. We do this so that we can be reminded of God's love for us. And we do it, we should do it often. And it's not just communion. In whatever practice that God has uh, told us to, encourages us to practice, I want you to think about what they are and begin to incorporate that into your life and practice it. Make your soul be touched by the heart so that your soul can be transformed. So we have this open table for you. Come to this table, not, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because you are, not because any goodness of your own give gives you uh, uh, your own goodness, but because you need mercy and help. Come, because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. So on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. Drink this. Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Just let's take it together. Open the top. Oh, you guys already know what you're doing. Body of Christ broken for you. New covenant, blood of Christ poured out for you. May I invite the priest team to come forward? Let me give you a mo moment to reflect on what you just did and what the invitation is for you. And really hear the invitation that the Lord is giving you today and take it to heart. Let what you know travel down to your heart and begin to feel the love of God that he has for you. Blessings to you all.